Monsoon. And please welcome, join us, have a seat, grab some cocoa, enjoy yourself, stay for a while. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Stephanie? It's going pretty good. How about you, Andy? Oh, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, you know, trying to, to get used to my new life of never leaving the house and, and uh, making sure I still drink enough water. But uh, otherwise, hey. I'm doing okay. I get that. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just, um, I mean, nothing really has changed all that much, so. Sure, yeah. At home, working, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yep, yep, so. yep. That's, uh, yeah, story of a lot of people's lives right now. Indeed. Uh, it, it, is, it is May 8th, 2020, for those of you listening in the future. Um, so, you know, yeah, stuff happened in the world, and, and we're all stuck at home still. So, yep. it's good but times. Our, doesn't our episode air on May 10th uh, normally? Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, uh, yeah, our episodes air on, on Sundays, but, you know, we record them on Fridays usually, so, yeah. Happy Mother's Day, then, if you're listening on Mother's Day. Hey, that's true, happy Mother's Day. Also, uh, earlier this week was my mom's birthday, so mom, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Andy's mom, and my brother, <laughs> so, uh, this is the week of birthdays, uh, especially in my family. Oh, yeah? Um, because my brother's birthday is actually on Mother's Day this year, and oh. then my grandmother's birthday is the day immediately after. Aha. So sometimes their birthday is on Mother's Day or before Mother's Day, like by like a day or like the next day or whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. immediately after. And it's just like, this is like a triple whammy in my family all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. happy birthday to your brother and your grandma. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, also, this week is the birthday of one of the members of the Def M Records All-Stars uh, who provided our excellent intro music. So oh my happy God, birthday. guys. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah, happy birthday to you. And... Uh, and uh, everyone, go check out defmrecords.com and, and find yourself some new music. This week, I actually bought a couple of albums from Defm Records, and I thought I would mention that on the show. Uh, I got the, the Shotgun Ensembles album and Volume 1 by The Lone Sum. Um, Shotgun Ensemble is uh, just kind of guys who, if they happen to be in the studio, they'll, they'll hang out and play some songs and record them. And they're all instrumental, so just kind of cool instrumental rock and roll. Nice. Uh, and then The Lone Sum is... Uh, just one of the guys from Defm Records, just kind of doing his own thing. So you know, it's it's Lone Sum S U M. So it's just just the one of him by himself. Oh. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I picked those up this week, and and they're good times. So there you, uh, go. you could you could do the same. <laughs> by you could do the same. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Help support our friends. Yes. Uh, Especially during these troubled times. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about some times that are less troubling. Uh, the only times that come to mind are the 90s. Hey, that's a good time to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of birthdays, you were born in the 90s, right? I was. I was born exactly 25 years ago in two of, as of two months from now. <laughs> okay, that's some math, but sure. <laughs> no, I was uh, born in the year 1995, so dead smack in the middle of the 90s. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Interesting. Everything I picked today is from before you were born still. Uh, <laughs> and everything I picked is right around the time I was born or after. Yeah, perfect. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had so much fun talking about 80s movies last week, we thought we'd talk about 90s movies this week. There you go. Uh, 
I did a little bit more research this week as well. So I can, I, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Do you, uh, since I started last week, do you want to, do you want to start this week? Sure. I, I will start this week. Um, okay. I thought I'd go ahead and mention at least a couple of honorable mentions. Um, yeah. Just to really quickly throw out there. Um, one of the honorable mentions I'm going to throw out there is the movie Flubber from Disney. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it was, uh, it was one of those 90s movies starring Robin Williams that I just absolutely loved and enjoyed uh, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to give it an honorable mention because Robin Williams is one of my favorite actors of all time. And I, he is dearly missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the other movie uh, that I have as an honorable mention is Armageddon. The Bruce Willis uh, meteor movie? Yes. Okay. Uh, the reason why it's on here is for a couple of reasons. One... Uh, because when growing up as a kid, my parents watched this movie a lot. Okay. This one, Apollo 13, um, a couple of other films that were very kind of like big in the 90s and everything that were kind of like action adventure, slightly thriller type. Sure. Um, and Armageddon was one of them. Uh, also growing up, I grew up on two albums or soundtracks in my like few years of life before, you know, the year 2000. Okay. And those were Shania Twain's Come On Over and the Armageddon movie soundtrack. <laughs> I have the Armageddon movie soundtrack, actually. <laughs> so uh, does my dad. And plus, I also danced to I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, which is the kind of like the main song for the movie with yeah. my dad at my wedding. So I have to put it as an honorable mention. Oh, that's true. You did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it was fun, awesome. <laughs> fun fact about that song. That was Aerosmith's first number one hit ever in their careers. Which is absolutely blasphemous because they have a lot of really good songs. <laughs> I know. Uh, additionally, that song's a cover. They didn't do the original version of it. I so, never knew that. What really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's a country song originally, and uh, well, shoot, <laughs> someone decided that it would be appropriate for Armageddon, I guess, uh, and so Aerosmith covered it because they were kind of at the height of their like resurgence in popularity right then. Yep. Um, and and yeah, it, it was their first number one hit ever. That's amazing. Yeah. I was today years old when I learned that. <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, on that soundtrack, there's that song Starseed by the band Our Lady Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, that version of that song is exclusive to that soundtrack. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like 99% the same as the one on, on their first album. Um, but the end of the song is, like, the last, like, 30 seconds, there's, like, a weird, like, solo that goes on that isn't on the, al- the, the album version. It's only oh. on the soundtrack. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is specifically why I have that soundtrack, because Our Lady Peace was one of my favorite bands for a long time. So That is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of so. 90s stuff. There you so, go. Yeah. What about you, Andy? What, do you have any honorable mentions, or you just got your movies? Um. Oh, man. My honorable mentions list. I, I, my, when I came up with the list of movies to talk about, it was like 15 movies long. I know. I read um, it. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I worked it down to five. Okay. Um, so my honorable mention list is, is gigantic. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to list them real quick okay. and, uh, not go into necessarily detail about why, why they're on there. Um, uh, I got to start with Jurassic Park. Like that movie is fantastic. Uh, I, it ends up in too many conversations that I, I have with people. Um, and it is one of my favorite movies, but also like, I kind of wanted to pick maybe some movies that weren't just like oh best movies of the 90s so yeah that one got the cut okay um the crow starring brandon lee um that movie 
is great, but I rewatched it uh, a couple of years ago and I realized that it's very 1994. Like it mm. might be the most 1994 movie, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does sort of date the movie. Uh, and, and it's, it's not quite as timeless as uh, some of the other ones. So, Fair enough. you know, but it's great. Uh, Pulp yeah. Fiction is fantastic. Um, uh, Clueless is one of my roommate's favorite movies and, and she's given me a new appreciation for that. Oh. Um, and then we just were, we, we just rewatched Space Jam a couple nights ago. Uh, and I, I didn't want to put that on this list because I know we talked about that, like in one of our early episodes when I bought the <laughs> Blu-ray Steelbook. I, I didn't even put it on my list. Cause I'm like, Andy's going to have Space Jam on his. I'm not even going to put Space Jam on mine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Space Jam is a lot of fun. Um, there it, it is, you know, we, we were talking about it last night and, uh, we, decided that it's too bad Space Jam isn't a better movie because there are parts of that movie that are better than the rest of the movie, which I mean, it's it true. Can be true for any movie, but like there's some parts of Space Jam that are really good movies. Yeah. And like, then the rest of the movie around it isn't. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's too bad. Um, yeah. We, we especially laughed at the line uh, when Daffy suggested that they call the, the Toon Squad, the ducks you know, Bugs' line of, what kind of Mickey Mouse organization would name their team the Ducks? <laughs> because the Mighty Ducks movie came out in the 90s. Right. And there was the cartoon. <laughs> right. And the actual Anaheim Ducks, right? Like, that too. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of a, like, man, that's a really brilliant line, because of course Daffy would make that joke. Yeah. Um, you know, why, why yep. wouldn't Daffy want to name the thing after himself? And exactly. of course, of course, Bugs is going to, you know, snap back at how dumb of an idea that is, but also, you know, sneak in a, a dig on something else. Like, it's just, it's such a, like, that that moment is worth watching the entire movie for. Oh, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that, there, there are so many, I love the Looney Tunes so much that, you know, if, you know, when, when we, in some point in the future, get to, like, talking about the 2000s movies, I do have a Looney Tunes one on there. Okay, okay, so, yeah. yeah. But I love the Looney Tunes so much. I mean, I bought a Bugs Bunny when I went and toured Warner Brothers Studios earlier this year, so... Oh, excellent. Yeah. 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 All, right. All right. So what's your first uh, actual pick? My first actual pick. So I I had to really think about movies that kind of, in, in a way, um, just had like an impact on my life. Kind of like how, you know how you tagged me on the this this Facebook thing of like post a photo from a movie that impacted you? Yes. I kind of thought that way with these 90s movies. Okay. Um, and the first one I have, uh, kind of keeping with my honorable mention trend, but it's Mrs. Doubtfire. That's a fantastic movie. That is a fantastic movie. It is from, you know, 1993. It stars Robin Williams. It stars Sally Fields. Mm -hmm. uh, it stars the adorable little girl whose name's escaping me at this moment, who play, who will later go on to play Matilda. Um, yes, that's it. Thank you. Yep. Yep. I had it written down somewhere, and I couldn't find the note, and it made me and mad. And uh, Matthew Lawrence plays yeah. the son, or the, the, the middle boy, and yeah. oh, what is the older daughter? Uh, okay, brain farted. I'm yep. sorry. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. And then, um, God, who plays who James plays Bond. her boyfriend in the movie? Pierce Brosnan. Thank you. I was like, I know his name. I know he once played. He's played a lot of really big characters in just <laughs> film in general. Who is he? Yeah. <laughs> I said this brain fart. Um, but no, but I I grew up loving this film. It was it's absolutely wacky. It's so hysterical. It's so wholesome and heartwarming and amazing. Um, that oddly enough over spring break before all this shutdown stuff happened, my husband and I were in San Francisco and we did this movie tour 
uh-huh. um, where you can actually see all of the sites and locations that were filmed, uh, whether they were filmed in San Francisco or filmed based off of locations in San Francisco. Um, and oddly enough, I don't know if you knew this, Andy, but or if anyone else out there knew this, but when uh, Sally Fields' character is on the phone with Mrs. Doubtfire, with Robin Williams, yeah. And she's like, okay, here's the address for you to come to. And she gives the address. That is the actual address to the house. Huh. Like, we pulled up to the actual Doubtfire, like, to the actual house from the movie. And it, it looks exactly like it. Huh. That's like, Nothing's cool. changed. Because maybe, like, a few paint jobs. But that's about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I looked it up. It was Lisa Jacob that played Lydia, the older sister. Uh, okay. So. Uh, so. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. name the other two kids and leave her out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, no, it was just a, it's a wholesome movie. I loved it growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, she, especially because Mrs. Doubtfire kind of reminded me of my great aunt who took care of me as a kid. Um, <laughs> she's still around. She's still okay. alive. Yeah. Um, but getting up there in age. But you know, but it, it very much reminded me of those things. And I'm just like, this. This is a all around wholesome movie. Plus, Robin Williams in drag with his with his brother and his husband uh-huh. uh you know really breaking some some boundaries and just film and media in the 90s is great yeah yeah uh i i went and saw that movie in theaters um i want to say with my cousin and uh we were both kind of like I and mean, we were like 10 when it came out and we were like yeah we could go see it whatever like it, it was the the one thing that was playing that like his parents would take us to that, you know, they kind of wanted to see. And we we're like, yeah, we could, we could take it or leave it. And we ended up really enjoying it. And then uh, yeah. my mom bought it on, on video and it was one, part of our regular rotation of movies to watch when we were at her place over the weekends. So yeah. Yeah. Good chick. Good pick. Good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What about you? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Let's start with another one of those movies that ended up on our random rotations. Uh, I'm going to go with a movie that no one expected, Three Ninjas. Um, Three Ninjas was a 1992 movie. Uh, it's a kid's movie. It is, it is absolutely, it was riding the wave of Ninja Turtles. Um, it's, it's about three brothers who get trained in ninjutsu by their Japanese grandfather over the summer instead of going to summer camp. And... Um, <laughs> they, one year they come back from spending the summer with grandpa and their dad's on a case because he's a, a, a FBI agent. Um, and he's hunting down the head of a criminal empire. Uh, and this particular head of this particular criminal empire used to be business associates with the kid's grandfather. So, uh-huh. Yeah. And so, you know, the kids are like, well, we don't know who to trust now because we love our grandpa and he taught us, taught us all this ninja stuff. But, like, also, is he friends with the bad guy? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hijinks ensue. Um, the the cover of the movie, the, one of the quotes is, crosses home alone with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> which is a pretty accurate description for mm-hmm. a, a good chunk of that movie. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's it's it's... Like, listen, if you're an adult and you're like, oh, Andy recommended Three Ninjas, and then you watch it, you're like, what is this piece of crap? Like, yeah, it's it's not, you know, it, it's it's a nostalgia trip for me. Um, but if you have kids, especially kids who, who take martial arts, it's a fun adventure movie for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a separate international version of the movie, which is a slightly different cut, uh, where it actually ends with one of the ninja, like the Three Ninjas main characters, like actually beating up one of the bullies um oh, wow. that, 
that got cut from the U.S. release. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 mostly the same movie, but there's a couple of little things where it's like, oh, I've seen this movie enough to know that this is a different scene, and they didn't lose the basketball game originally. And wait, what? What happened? Like what? And yeah, I looked into it. It turns out like there's just an international version that's slightly different. Huh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. It was directed. So Three Ninjas was also directed by John Turtletub, who went on to later direct Cool Runnings. Oh wow. And Phenomenon with uh, John Travolta and the National Treasure movies. So, oh my God, what? Yeah. Yes. I just, yeah. I literally just watched National Treasure like the other day. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's got a pretty good pedigree there. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, oh, oh, I also wrote down it, uh, it was made on a budget of $6.5 million and grossed $29 million in the theater. So, Damn. Uh, box office success. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. So, yeah. Three Ninjas. Good times. I don't there think it's go. streaming anywhere right now. Although I did find a, a copy that probably shouldn't have been on YouTube recently. So, you oh, know. Dear. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Give me your number two, Steph. All right. Uh, so, next on my my list. So, I... Uh, to no surprise, to no one's surprise, I do have a lot of animated movies listed for the '90s because uh, I was, you know, because you were a, little a toddler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the movies that impacted me and that I loved watching as a kid were mostly animated. Any of the live-action ones, I came back later too. Um, sure. But the next one I have on my list actually came out the same year I was born, and it is the Goofy movie. Oh, that's a great movie too. I know it is so. This is such a good movie. And if any of you have never seen this movie, first of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, <laughs> no, so long story short, this movie is about Max, Goofy's son, mm-hmm. who just finished, like, I want to say maybe his, like, eighth grade year or freshman year of high school or something. Like, he's in school. Yeah. He just yeah. finished it. Yeah. And he finishes it on a note where the principal threatens, you know, that he's going to end up in the electric chair one day. As a kid... <laughs> That means nothing to me. As an adult, I'm like, that's a little drastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that principal was voiced by uh, Wallace Shawn as well, who, yeah. uh, who's who's uh, Vanzini in The Princess Bride and Rex in Toy Story. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then he and, so Goofy takes him on this cross-country journey to go to Lake, um, uh, not Lake Pleasant, Lake Destiny. And, right, yep. um and just throughout the whole journey, there's all these antics and all these like a really good musical numbers that just exist in the world. Um, yeah. And as a kid, it's, it's just so much fun because in a weird way, you either relate with Max in the sense of like, you don't like going family road trips until you kind of start doing a little bit of like what the kids want to do and what the parents want to do. Right. But then when you can be, when you get older and you become, you kind of understand Goofy's point of view of like, okay, yeah, I get this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get why. I wouldn't entirely trust everything Pete says. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So, but no, it's it's such a great movie. And plus, Powerline is the best fictional pop star ever. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, he's uh, he's right up there for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it might One be a little the... more. Well, okay, so I will say, I will say, solo pop stars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fictional bands. I I might need to give that to Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Okay, no, that's a good one. Yeah. But but uh, for solo artists, yeah, I'll give it to Powerline. I have a yeah. Powerline tour shirt, actually. I've so. seen that. They still yeah. have a Hot Topic, and I want one, too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 
Good times. Oh, yeah. Goofy movie. Yeah. I also like the extremely goofy movie, but oddly enough, I looked it up and it came out in the year 2000, so it's not a 90s movie. Oh, man, I remember when an so. extremely goofy movie came out and I watched it and I, I will say it is fun, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely think the first one is a better movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love them both equally and for different reasons at the same time. That's so. fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, next one? Well, let's see. Let's go with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I thought this would have been your number one. <laughs> No, no, it's 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 up there, but uh, okay. it is not my number one. Uh, okay. Although the turtle the turtles are amongst my favorite pop culture things, and that is again why this movie is on my list. Um, it you know uh, 1990 movie um, based on the the comic books and cartoons and etc. Um, but the thing that is great about the Ninja Turtles movie is I, so Roger Ebert said in his his review of this movie. Uh, that it might be the mess, the best movie titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that you could make. Hmm. And six movies later, that's still true. Wow. This is still the best Turtles movie. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, uh, so budget of $13.5 million, and it grossed $202 million. Wow. It had a budget of thirteen point five, and it grossed two hundred and two. That's that's can't even do the math. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a that's a yeah yeah. That's a lot. A lot. Um, it was the highest grossing independent movie to date, uh, and it was only overtaken. It was overtaken four years later by Pulp Fiction. Okay, so, that makes like, sense. Yeah. So it it held that record for like four and a half years of being the highest grossing independent film of all time, which is that's, crazy. That's uh, absolutely fair. It's especially crazy when you consider that like Nickelodeon, Disney, Warner Brothers, like MGM, like every studio, every major studio turned it down because they were like, we just saw Masters of the Universe tank. We just saw those the Transformers and, and G.I. Joe movies tank and everything. Like mm-hmm. all these kids movies that are getting released in theaters are not doing well we don't want to take the risk on this. Yeah. So a little tiny company called new line cinema that did like B movies and like crappy martial arts films. Mm-hmm. Like they took a chance on it. They were like, yeah, we'll, we'll release it. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, it ended up making the studio like new line cinema didn't matter before that. And afterwards, like they became a huge studio for a long time until they were eventually purchased by Warner brothers. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the turtles themselves were uh, built by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. So they are, they are completely practical effects. And Jim Henson himself uh, said that they were the most high-tech, most advanced uh, puppet things that he had ever worked on. That's uh, valid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, they are, you know, effectively dudes in foam rubber suits. But the heads of the turtles are remote control operated. Yeah. So, like, there's someone flapping their hand open and shut uh, and making subtle movements so that the turtles will talk in time with the dialogue. Um, there are independent controls for each eyeball of the turtles. Like, it's, it's, they're crazy advanced. And oh, yeah. you kind of don't notice it when you're watching the movie. Um, and, like, the lip sync isn't the best. You know, we did, we, my roommates and I watched the movie earlier this week, and, and I was looking for some technical stuff. And I was like, okay, it's, 
you know, it was 1990 mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> when this came out, which means it was being built, like all the things were being built in 89. Um, but, uh, you know, all things considered, like I, if someone came up to me and they said, hey, I've never seen or read or anything any Ninja Turtles, where do I start? I would hand them this movie and be like, check out the first Ninja Turtles movie. Um, it combines a lot of elements of the original Mirage comics and the personalities that the characters developed in the cartoon series, um, as well as like their individual color masks, because that was not a thing in the comics because they were black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's a good mashup of the two things. And, and, you know, I would then say, okay, and now that you've watched this, what parts did you like? Or, or first of all, do you want to keep going? And if you do, what parts did you like? What parts didn't you like? And then kind of direct them down, you know, okay, cool. You might want to check out the comics or, Oh, you should probably check out the cartoon or, Oh, you should maybe check out this other cartoon or, mm-hmm. or just watch the other movie, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I, I really like about this movie is it has subplots. <laughs> oh, nice. Right. Like it would be really easy to be like, Hey, it's a Ninja Turtles movie and here's the turtles and they got to fight the shredder and the foot clan and go. <laughs> right. And that's basically what the second and third movies did. Although the third movie had different villains. Um, mm-hmm. this one, like there's a cool subplot where April O'Neil, their reporter friend, her, boss's kid is part of the foot clan oh wow so like and there's and he gets arrested halfway through the movie so huh. the, well i guess before halfway uh so like the chief of police who april has been hounding about hey what are you going to do about this crime wave and the, the ninjas that are attacking everything he calls april's boss and is like uh i have your son i'll let him go but you and this isn't like this is all subtext, which is also great because it mm-hmm. teaches kids about subtext like this isn't said out loud. But basically, it's implied that it, he'll the chief Stearns will let Danny go if his dad tells April to back off. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, not a thing you would expect in a kid's movie. Not really, uh, no. And also something I didn't catch, I don't know, probably the first hundred times I watched the movie. I was just like, oh, it's the turtles, and you're eating pizza and telling jokes, play, eh. And then, like, when I came back to it years later, I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's, like, an actual movie here. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, <did> story? <laughs> yeah, right? So, you know, again, it's not the greatest movie in the world. It 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 uh, It is a nostalgia thing for me, for sure. But um, if you're going to check out Turtles in any capacity like this is you know it's like an 87 minute movie so it's not gonna yeah you know and yeah it's here's your here's kind of your basic introduction and then from there check out the other stuff yeah so there you go yeah yeah awesome so good times yeah yeah all right what do you got next so my next one um to the surprise of absolutely nobody uh is the phantom menace you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> part of me part of me was wondering is she gonna put the phantom menace or is she gonna put the star wars special editions on her her favorite movies of the 90s i put the phantom menace okay even though okay, okay. so to be fair i saw the star wars special editions which i do own on vhs sure um before i ever saw phantom menace right i know it's okay. strange but also this was actually after the phantom menace and episode two were already out so Um, but no, the reason why I put the Phantom Menace on there is because for one, it it is the one Star Wars film that I think still receives more crap than even Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, it is also the one where a lot of people definitely diss on Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it, oddly enough, is... So, I will say this right now. There are There is nothing in Star Wars media that I actually hate or despise. Okay. Maybe the holiday special... There's, but everyone understands why for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but at least the Boba Fett cartoon in that is pretty cool. That is true. And that's um, coming from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, um, I don't, like, I'm impartial towards Star Wars, and I don't really care about Boba Fett, but that cartoon's cool. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so I mean, if I actually put all of my Star Wars movies in order from my fav- my absolute favorite, which is Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, even more so now, especially since the Clone Wars ended on Monday... Oh yeah, I am emotionally still not okay. By the way, from that, I every time I see something, I'm like sobbing. I'm like, (laughs) Um, it's like it was just it was probably one of the best TV series endings of all time. Just saying, Um, at least TV animated doesn't matter. Uh, But anyway, but if I you know if I put them all on a list, episode one, it it is sitting in the last position. But that doesn't mean I hate it. It doesn't mean I dislike it. It's just I like the other ones a lot more. Sure. But yeah. no, but I, I absolutely love watching The Phantom Menace. You know, Jar Jar makes me laugh. He's a very funny character. He His comic relief stuff is the whole point of him, and I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, plus, I mean, we get, you know, young Obi-Wan Kenobi in the form of Ewan McGregor, and we get Liam Neeson playing Qui-Gon Jinn, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's an overarching, you know, really great movie in, in just the, in the main sense that it's it's very entertaining. It's very, I don't want to say kid friendly in the sense that it's, you know, just for kids, but it has a little bit of something for everyone, for kids, for adults, for teens, things like that. Um, plus, I mean, as I got older and I would go back and rewatch it, I watch it from a bit of a different point of view. Yes. Quoting Obi-Wan here. Um, I watch it from the point of view of imagine being in like Darth Sidious or Palpatine's chair during this whole movie and watching everything go, yes, good, excellent. My plans are all working. And then slowly one by one, the dominoes get knocked over and he's like, wait, what is happening? No, wait, who's this kid? Where's this happening? Ah, and like, you know, freaking out and mm-hmm. <laughs> realizing that his plan is just all falling apart. Um, and then decides to, you know, change it after Maul dies and well dies, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, brings Anakin into all of this, but it's just, it's an over it's, I think it's a great film. I thoroughly enjoy episode one. I will, Always watch it if it's on hell. I watched it on the way back from Ireland last year. Yeah. I even fell asleep during it, and I still knew exactly what was happening when I was asleep. <laughs> it was fantastic. So, um, uh, also, yeah. I love Darth Maul. That's, yeah. Well, and he's the best part of that movie, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I don't hate The Phantom Menace. Like, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it deserves a lot of the crap that it gets. I, yeah. I do think that there are a couple of points where Jar Jar has a line that he just doesn't need. Like, I don't think it adds yeah. anything to the movie. I think it's distracting. Um, yes. But not all of his lines. You know, yeah. I, I do question some of the, the let's say, dialect choices. Some of the, yeah. the choices of accents. You know, like, yeah. eh, did they did they need to speak with that accent? But, yeah. you know, okay, that was a decision that was made and, and may or may not have been the best choice. But, like, yeah, okay, you know not everyone's perfect not every yeah. you know um but like overall yeah it's a fun you know family friendly adventure movie yeah you know uh the the 
the thing about that movie for a lot of people is that they grew up on three Star Wars movies, right? Yes. And, and, you know, there were the, just the three between 77 and 83, and then that was it for 16 years. Yeah. So, like, when you see those three movies over and over and over again, especially when you imprint on them as a kid, yep. you come up with something where it's like, it's a new Star Wars movie, and if it's not exactly those three things, like, you're gonna have a problem getting over it. Yeah. And I know this because <laughs> I grew up... With, you know, a handful of things that, you know, the Transformers and Ninja Turtles specifically were like, yeah, I loved these things. And then they made new versions of them that weren't exactly like the things that I grew up with. And I had to deal with it. Like, I had to get yeah. over it and be like, okay, oh, yeah. you know, is Ninja Turtles Next Mutation objectively good? No. No, not at all. But the, the 2003 cartoon? Pretty great. Yeah. You know, the 2007 CGI movie, it's not bad. Not my mm -hmm. favorite, but it's pretty good. You yeah. know, is, is, is Transformers Beast Wars the original series? No. It's probably better. The first half of the first season is a little rough to get through while they're still figuring out how to make the show. But by the time that show ends, it mm -hmm. was really solid. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah and then no. tran the Transformers live action movies, I don't like them. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but then Bubblebee was pretty good. Exactly. So, you know, you... Any any time there's more stuff added to a franchise that you love, yes. you, you got to be like, okay, what was the thing that made you like it in the first place? And if it was specifically those stories, that's legit. Yeah. You know, but if it was like, I liked this world and the way that it made me feel when I first saw it, and then you go back to watch something later, but it's aimed at the same demographic that you were when you first saw it, like, guess what? This movie isn't necessarily for you anymore. So mm -hmm. you got to, you just kind yeah. of got to roll with that. Yeah. And Anyways. to be fair with me, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know the Phantom Menace existed in 99. I right. wasn't introduced until like almost episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Right. And, you know, when I watched all the movies uh, and everything, I mean, I grew up technically during the era of the prequel fan yeah. base. Mm -hmm. So I love the prequels. The prequels are my favorite, but I grew up on the Clone Wars. Oh, because right. Right. those were coming out as I was a Star Wars fan by that point. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I grew up on the Clone Wars, which is very fitting after uh, 12 years yeah. of the series existing. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, you know, like I said, I just I love The Phantom Menace. It's a great movie and I thoroughly enjoy it. And plus, it delivers probably one of my favorite Obi-Wan lines of all time, mm. um, which is uh, if they find us, they will crush us, grind us into tiny pieces and blast us into oblivion. <laughs> One of my favorite Obi-Wan lines. I laugh at it every time. Oh. So, all right, nice, moving on. Nice. What's yours? Moving on. <laughs> moving on. So let's move on to uh, Clerks. Ooh. So Clerks nice. is a 1994 independent black and white film. Uh, it was the debut film of one Kevin Smith, who yep. uh, eventually built a media empire off of characters introduced in this movie. Yep. Um, Clerks was shot for a budget of $27,575. It grossed $3 million and never played on more than 50 screens at the same time. I hope you know my jaw is on the floor right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was made for less than 30000 and it grossed $3 million. That's, um, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, in, in 2006, there was the sequel, Clerks 2. Uh, and in 2000, or like 99 or 2000 or whatever, there was a, like, like an animated series that only lasted six episodes before the network it was on canned it. But 
there is a Clerks cartoon that you can just buy on DVD. And there it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so Clerks is, is you know, I, I was born in the early 80s. So I'm in that weird, I'm not quite Generation X and I'm not quite a millennial group. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so there are some things in Clerks that I can very much not understand because I have the millennial optimism. Yep. But there's a lot of it and and very much a lot of the the where is my place in the world angst that that movie encompasses that mm-hmm. I very much relate to. Yeah. Um uh I I was actually introduced to the movie a few years after it came out um when I was working at Blockbuster Video and I said to my boss and I'd been there a few months and I said to my boss like man someone should make a movie about like the worst day in a video store where just everything goes wrong. He was like <laughs> he was like yeah that movie exists it's it's called Clerks. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, okay. So I rented it that night, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. This was this was much better than my idea. Okay. Yep. Um, Clerks is also the introduction of Jay and Silent Bob, yep. who you know are still making movies today, mm-hmm. uh, or who Kevin Smith is about whom Kevin Smith is still making movies today because the Jay and Silent Bob reboot like just came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it is. For a 20-something in the 90s, early aughts, uh, it is very much the where is my place in the world story. Yeah. You know, um, Dante is, is he feels like he's stuck in his job as, as being a convenience store clerk. And he doesn't know how to make his life better because this is where life has brought him. And if life wanted him to be somewhere else, it would have brought him somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. the movie is kind of everyone saying like, no, dude, like you don't have to be stuck here. Yeah. Like you're here because you're choosing to be. And even Randall, the guy that runs the video store, who's his best friend, you know, he, he's straight up like I'm at this job because it's easy and it's fun and I don't have to worry about anything. Like I don't want the extra stresses you want to have a, to have a bigger, better life. So go have it. Yeah. Um, and just kind of that weird, struggle that you can have in your early 20s about mm-hmm. like what what you know where do i go what am i supposed to do where is this yeah is this forever yeah. you know um and <laughs> you know the movie ends on a on a high note with uh you know yeah things got kind of weird and gross and it is kind of the worst day in a convenience slash video store mm-hmm. but um you know it ends with a feeling that like no life goes on things are going to be okay yeah um, which is good because in the original ending, Dante totally gets shot and killed. Uh, <laughs> which goes well, that again. got dark fast. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird because uh, it like it kills the entire point of the movie. Yeah, like no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, when I when I saw that on a, a deleted scene on a DVD, I was like, oh boy, that that changes the whole the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. So Clerks is a lot of fun. It is very rated R. Yes. Like <laughs> there is a lot of adult language in there. Do not wa- let your kids under the age of teenager watch it. And even then uh, probably older teenager. Yeah. Though um, <laughs> so these days with all the kids being on the internet, they probably know what all those words mean anyways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. <laughs> not a thing that I would show to a younger cousin or whatever. No. Not, you know, like, and honestly, not something that I think you would understand until you have your first cr- kind of crappy dead end um, uh, re- 
retail job. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have had it. I can watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that I don't think you get until you have those soul crushing, like yep. just grinding days. Yep. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Clerks is a lot of fun. Uh, well, it's, it's not, but <laughs> it's a, a good great movie. movie. It is a very well-made movie. Um, and it just got inducted to, uh, the, Oh, some big muckety muck, um, uh, like film thing. Oh, that, the word I'm the worst at like this. the like the Independent Film Hall of Fame or something. Uh, like the Film Hall of Fame. Oh. Um. Uh. What is it? The National Film Registry of the Library of Congress, who deemed it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Dang. So, yeah. Yeah. Good job. Um, it's it's uh yeah. That's One awesome. Yeah, not the most profitable, but one of the most successful, like truly independent movies. Like, like Ninja Turtles was an independent movie, but it was based on Ninja Turtles. It was gonna be successful. Yep. Clerks was a bunch of friends making a movie. Yep. In the job they like in the convenience store and video store that they worked at. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, considering it was shot for yeah twenty seven thousand dollars, that feels high to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, it is a good crash course on how to make an independent movie on no money it really is yeah as someone who took an independent film class in, in college uh yes <laughs> yeah so um we are how much we time like, we got left we have like 12 minutes left are you kidding so, wow okay yeah yeah so we gotta we gotta start flying through the last few here all right i'm gonna fly through my next few and then leave my last one let you do one and then cool yeah um so the next ones i have so i the next one I have is Toy Story 2. Not one, two. Right. Um, I love the original Toy Story. It came out the same year I was born. Uh, actually, I think one month after. Um, okay. But Toy Story 2 was the first film I ever saw in theaters. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Okay. So it has a big, it's a big deal for me because, you know, that was the first film I ever saw in theaters. At the same time, I just love the story and the aesthetic and just the way everything flows in the second movie so much more. And that, and that includes even over three and four that have come out now. Okay. Um, but I absolutely love Toy Story 2. Plus the action sequence at the beginning with Buzz is great. Yeah. And they also have an Empire Strikes Back reference that I did not catch until after I saw Empire. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, fun. <laughs> hey, let's fly through these. Now I'm going to take a minute to tell a personal story. Um, Toy Story 2 came out on my brother's birthday, uh, mm-hmm. one, the first, you know, at, when I was working at Blockbuster. Yeah. Um, and, but, like, I was scheduled off on that day. Mm-hmm. So, like, because new movies came out on Tuesdays, right? And so yeah. my, I was scheduled Monday and Wednesday, and my brother's birthday was on the Tuesday. Uh, and so, like, I had to convince my boss, like, hey, can you let me take a copy of this home so I can give it to my brother for his birthday? You know, and then I'll come back, I'll, I'll pay for it tonight, or I'll pay for it Wednesday, like, whatever works. Yeah. And, like, I hounded him like all day and it wasn't until like right as I was going to go out the door that he was like, yeah, okay, that's it. Fine. Just go ahead and do it. Um, so yeah, I actually got my brother a copy of toy story Two. I gave it to him Monday night. So he got it a day early for his birthday. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. On wow. VHS. Cause it was, you know, 2000, but yeah. <laughs> right. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. No, my- toy story two might be the most, f- I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Ah, it might be the most fun of the Toy Story movies. Yes. Because uh, the first one is very much like a, you know, existent- like what he says, existential crisis. Yeah. Um, the third one is everything is terrible and we're all going to die. 
And the fourth one is finding your place in the world. It's very bittersweet. Yeah. Um, but two is just a lot of fun. Two is just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's also the one Toy Story movie. I mean, not say the Toy Story one made me cry, but it definitely has those kind of like you missed your childhood sure. type of feelings to it. Uh, three and four definitely made me cry. Um, but that's because I was older and I totally <laughs> understood Andy's place in the world. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, two was just a lot of fun. And it's it's the one that's made me the la- laugh the most. Um, so uh, the other one I had that I was going to quickly throw out before my, my last one is yeah. Anastasia. Oh, yeah. The 1997, uh, yeah, 1997 Fox, uh, 20th Century Fox animated movie. Yeah. Uh, so this was in the height of, like, the Disney renaissance. Disney was owning the animated market. Yep. And Fox threw in, like, Fox had been throwing in a couple of really good hidden gem uh, animated films. And then they threw in this one. Yeah. And, it and just, everyone, everyone still thinks it's made by Disney. Yeah, and now it's owned by Disney. <laughs> oh, I guess that's true. Because <laughs> the Fox <laughs> Disney merger. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, they thought it was made by Disney because it had a similar feel and flow to it. But oh, yeah. Anastasia is so much different than any of the other films. It's probably the one princess film that is the most historically accurate. Uh, um, I mean, except if, for some stuff with Rasputin. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to, you know, play it up for the kids, right? Sure. But I, I'm saying in just some of the... In some of the ways they tell the story about how, you know, they thought she died, but turns out she was alive and, you know, all that stuff, you know, there is there is definitely a lot more truth in the history in this movie than there is in other like films based off of history. Like, you know, Pocahontas, for example, (laughs) exactly, which is also one of my favorites, but I don't have it listed. So, Um, but what I absolutely love Anastasia, it is. It is like I I totally relate with Anya in so many ways. Like she, I get her to a T. I think I actually kind of grew up being sassy like her <laughs> in some way. Sure, yeah. Um, and it has some of my favorite musical numbers of all time. Mm, um, okay. I actually auditioned for a thing in junior high with the song "Once Upon a December," um, okay. and I almost I almost was allowed to perform it if it wasn't for copyright issues. Mm-hmm. which really mm-hmm. sucked, which made me, it made me feel good that I really nailed the song, but it made me feel horrible that I couldn't perform it because of copyright. So yeah. Was that. Yeah. But, so, uh, fun, fun trivia about Anastasia. Uh, it was basically made here in Phoenix. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, Fox's animation studio was, was in Phoenix, Arizona. And so, yeah, other than the parts that were shipped out overseas for animating, like it basically came to life here, yep. which is kind of neat. Um, yes. I don't think I've seen it since it was pretty new, but uh, I was taking a 3D animation class and our teacher was like, we're watching Anastasia because it just came out on video and it was made here. So deal with it. Yep. (laughs) Also, Bartok the Bat is the best. (laughs) And I kick her, sir. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've seen it. So I I will refrain from comment on that. But uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. right. Uh, I got I got two left. Okay. Um, next one is Wayne's World. Uh, no surprise there. <laughs> based on the Saturday Night Live skits, um, it had a budget of twenty million dollars and grossed one hundred eighty-three point one million dollars. So that's nine times its budget. Plus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Wayne's World was a movie that like all of my friends went to see in theaters, even though it was rated R. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it was PG thirteen. I don't remember. Uh, I did not see it in theaters. But I did rent it on video when it came out, and 
I basically watched it nonstop um, that whole weekend. Yep. Like I watched it Friday night. I woke up Saturday morning and played it again and then rewound it and then watched it again and then rewound it and watched it again. Like basically all weekend. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was directed by Penelope Spheris, who had just finished doing The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, which was a documentary about um, the heavy metal scene in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, she was kind of perfect for, hey, you know, you just did a documentary about, like, what metalhead kids are like in real life. Why don't you direct this movie? Yeah. Um, uh, she went on to direct uh, a couple of other pretty big 90s movies, um, and I'm blanking on them. Black Sheep with Chris Farley and David Spade. Okay. Uh, uh, the Little Rascals. Oh, and wow. And the Beverly Hillbillies movie. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she she did pretty well for herself. Yeah. Um, man, Wayne, I mean, listen, I feel like pop culture says that you should know who Wayne, what, what Wayne's World is, but I went as Wayne for Halloween one year. Um, and no one knew who you were? No, everyone knew who I was because I was oh. going with a bunch of people. Like I was going to a party that was a bunch of people my age. Okay. So they, they all knew. But one day I wore that Wayne's World hat to the grocery store and the much younger uh, uh, guy at the register like asked if it was a little Wayne hat. Oh. And, and then the bagger told him he was an idiot and like go, went on to school him about Michael Myers and Saturday Night Live and stuff. <laughs> so like... Mike Myers, excuse me. Michael Myers yeah. is a serial killer. Mike Myers yeah. is the actor. Um, yeah, also, I'm pretty sure that this movie is where the phrase that's what she said came from. I think it is, actually. Because <laughs> I, I know it was, like, repopularized on The Office, but, like, I, the first time I remember hearing it was in Wayne's World, and I don't know that it was in any movies before that. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Please contact us at Atomic Monsoon on Twitter or Facebook or Atomic underscore Monsoon on Instagram or email us at Atomic Monsoon at Gmail. Um, uh, The other big thing I want to mention about Wayne's World, um, we're going to go over time again, uh, is um, it repopularized Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Like Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody kind of just didn't matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) anymore. Uh, And and there's the scene where they're singing it in the car. And the next month, it was the number one for the next month. It was the most requested song in the country. Yep. On, on radio stations. Like it yep. just, that song became a huge hit because of Wayne's world. Something like 20 years after it had come out. Yep. So yeah, like it, good job guys. Every time I hear it in the car, I do the exact same thing they do. As long as I'm not driving when the, uh, when the guitar kicks and I do the same thing with the hair. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, we all headbang. When that, we all do. That, you, you have to. You have to. (laughs) It's a tradition. (laughs) So, yeah. All right, right, guys. Hey, listen, if you're listening to us on our broadcast on uh, Sunday on Voice America, or if you're listening to us Saturday afternoon on our rebroadcast, um, go download our episode because we're out of time and we still have more stuff to talk about. Indeed. Yep. All right, Seth. Oh, I have one more. Do you want to do your last one first? Sure. I can do mine. Cool. All right. Um, So my last one... uh, is hands down my favorite, like just Disney film, film of all time, you name it, I love it. Okay. Um, but the issue I had is I couldn't choose between it or its sequel. Huh. It is Lion King and Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. <laughs> so the story with these movies for me growing up as a kid yeah. was that obviously Lion King came out the year before I did. Uh, before I was born. Wow, that yeah. was funny. Um, no, I was and, 
Yep. And the thing with it, though, is that so originally, so Disney always has their A movie and their B movie idea. Their A movie idea was supposed to be Pocahontas coming out in 95, and their B movie was going to be Lion King in 94. Well, that didn't work out for them. It went the other way around at the box office. <laughs> because the Lion King ended up becoming their highest grossing movies of their, of just, like, I think, all time until Frozen in 2012. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, everyone loved The Lion King, and I absolutely love it, too. Like, I like I, I say I know Star Wars really well. Like, I can sit here and quote the first 30 minutes of Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, if I wanted to. But I can quote the entirety of The Lion King. Man, I... <laughs> Down yeah. to the music. Yeah, yeah. So, Other than the, the lyrics in African during Circle of Life, I might be able to quote that entire movie as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, heck, and I mean, I've mentioned before that I write, you know, I've, I write fan fiction and stories like that. I wrote a Star Wars version of The Lion King where I put Star Wars characters in place of these characters, and it was great. Um, <laughs> what's funny, though, is that when I was writing that, it was when I was in high school taking Spanish class, taking Spanish, and we watched The Lion King in Spanish. And I had the, and it, she did not put subtitles up for us. We had to oh. just watch it in Spanish. Uh, well, she put up su- Spanish subtitles, not English. Right, right. Um, so, but... I had the entire script in my backpack <laughs> because I, I printed it off so I could write my story and make sure I had the dialogue right. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so I just like opened up the folder and I was just like reading along. <laughs> I didn't uh, have the same teacher later that school year, but. Um, um, the but. thing you just said about it being the highest grossing film, a Disney movie or whatever, uh, doesn't surprise me because it got re-released a couple times. It did. I remember going to see it in an IMAX at one point with my dad. Oh, no, it got re-released. Like, it was in theaters. It finished its run, and Disney was like, F it, and put it out again, like, six months later. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were like, it made a bunch of money. Let's make some more. I was talking in the sense that since 1994, it has also been re-released numerous times just yeah. in general, like they, yeah. they had like a like a five, like a ten year anniversary at one point in the middle of the two thousands, and I, that's where yep. I saw it in IMAX. They had a sing along version that came out when I was like in junior high that that we saw, and it was just like it's been re released a lot. Yeah, uh, I saw it in three D. They did a three D re release. Um, yep, I saw that one too <laughs> a while ago. Let's see. Yeah, yeah so it got released on in July of uh, oh no, that was the more recent one. Yeah. Um, let's see. When did this come out? June of 1994. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, they re-released it at Christmas time that year. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> yeah. made a lot of money. In it its made a lot time. of money. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I positively, I positively loved The Lion King growing up as a kid. I even had a VHS tape of, you know, back when the way to record anything off TV was to put a tape yep. into your VCR and record it. And I had one where the first, where it was the wonderful world of Disney, and Uh it was the Lion King, a little break in the middle, and then Pocahontas. Fantastic. And I still own that tape today, and it still works, and it's great. Um, But yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. But the reason why I put the second movie in there, The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, is because it is the one, everyone knows Lion King 1 and a half. Everyone knows that one. Everyone knows the Timon and Pumbaa show. But everyone seems, but there's all these people that seem to forget that there was actually a sequel to the movies that was kind of loosely based off of Romeo and Juliet, as the first one was loosely based off of, um, of Hamlet. And I positively adored and loved 
uh, Lion King 2, it actually has my favorite Disney song ever, and that is We Are One. Okay. So it's just it's an overarching uh, great film. You know, I've never seen Lion King two. Uh, mm-hmm. I did see I did see one and a half, and I did yeah. really enjoy that. And uh, I just I never got around to two, but it 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 is on Disney Plus. It is. Uh, I will say that uh, everyone I talked to who was born in the nineties mm-hmm. who loves Lion King also loves the second one. Yep. I, I have not heard of anyone that grew up watching the second one that said that it's not good. So. Oh yeah, no, it is. Before Frozen two, and before like a lot of the other sequels uh-huh. we got it is probably the best straight to v straight to video disney sequel okay like, hands down i mean of the ones I, i've seen i would say it's still return of jafar but again i haven't seen lion king 2 so return of the jafar is like a close second at least in my book okay okay so okay um all right so my last one uh is is in fact also my favorite movie of all time uh terminator 2 judgment day oh i forgot about that for you yep. that makes yep. more sense yep yep <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, somehow I ended up owning nine copies of this movie um, because people think it's funny to keep buying it for me for birthdays and Christmas and stuff. Yep. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was the first movie I ever bought on Laserdisc. I bought it because it was $4, and I thought it was funny to own my favorite movie on Laserdisc. And mm-hmm. then, like, a year later, I found a Laserdisc player for 2 bucks, And I was like, well, even if it doesn't work, all right, I'll buy the Laserdisc player. Uh, and then it did, so I can watch my favorite movie on outdated technology. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then people kept buying me laser discs. So uh, yeah, um, Terminator Two is interesting because James Cameron, the director of it, uh, had the idea to make it the previous July, like over July Fourth weekend. Yeah. And uh, it got released July Fourth weekend, nineteen ninety one. So the movie from concept to completion happened in less than twelve months. Wow which is insane. That is uh, very hard to do. Yeah, most movies take at least two years to make. Um, and they, they did it in less than 11 months. So, yeah. Uh, it, the budget was somewhere between 94 and $102 million, depending on where you ask. And it grossed $520.8 million at the box office. Wow. So five times its production budget. Um, again, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, Terminator 2 is probably the best sequel of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I kind of feel like you just don't even need the first movie anymore with Terminator yeah. 2. Um, and, you know, I, I, we're, <laughs> I don't want to go too over time. Um, the thing I love about the movie, in addition to all of the action and the cool, like, mm-hmm. you know, sci-fi stuff that obviously I'm going to like, uh, I really enjoy the value on human life that the movie posits. Yeah. You know, um, you know, but my, my two favorite lines from the movie, one happens early on and the other is actually the last line in the movie. So I'm going to spoil it. Okay. Uh, but this movie's also, you know, 29 years old. So you know, deal with it. Um, so early on, you know, uh, John Connor, who's, who's uh, played by Edward Furlong in his first role, um, asks the Terminator, haven't you figured out why you can't just go around killing people yet? Right? And, like, he, it's, it's never actually explained why you can't just go around killing people. And he, the Terminator doesn't understand. And John doesn't explain it. But, like, yeah, you can't just go around killing people. Like, you just, you can't. Um, uh, And then the last line in the movie is uh, Linda Hamilton as Sarah, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor doing a voiceover as they, you know, drive on the road into the the unknown future. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says, if a machine, a Terminator, can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. And, yeah, 
Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's that's, um, that's some that's deep right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know this movie's from 1991, and a lot of people still haven't. So that's yeah. you know sad, but also kind of reassuring that yeah, sometimes there are just going to be dumb people in the world. Yep. Um, uh, just a couple quick things uh, before uh, I finish with this. Um, Nikki Cox, who was a kind of a big actress in the later 90s and early 2000s, um, she has a very quick cameo in this movie um, as the girl who tells the T-1000 Terminator that they went to the Galleria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John and his best friend, John Connor's best friend, uh, who I don't think is named in the movie, is played by Danny Cooksey, um, mm-hmm. who's best known probably as in live action as Bobby Budnick from Salute Your Shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a voice actor is probably best known as either Montana Max on Tiny Toon Adventures mm-hmm. or as uh, Zuko on uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. <gasps> yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then because Terminator 2 came out in 1991, Wayne's World came out the following year, there is a very brief cameo of the T-1000 in Wayne's World. Um, That's fantastic which makes me believe that those movies take place in the same universe. And, you know, not that shared universes were really a thing. Also, I'm pretty sure they're from different studios. Uh, but, you know, kind of just a fun, like, hey, if we're in this world where every, like, all the studios are trying to connect to movies, I'm going to make those connections where I can. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, just a brief little thing. Uh, oddly enough, I actually checked out the Terminator experience at Universal back oh. in 2011. Oh, which I still have to do that. Which, uh... It was based on Terminator 2. Yes. Um, I don't think it's there anymore. I think they actually tore it down uh, and replaced it with something else. I had had like 25 years to check it out. So Yeah. I will tell you, Andy, (laughs) it was a really super cool uh, 4D experience. um, That's that's great. With fire and water and everything. uh, And it made me actually want to go and watch the Terminator movies afterward. Excellent. Which I cannot say for many rides or experiences anywhere else <laughs> but yeah uh I, I like i said i hadn't i never went to that um but i know at the end they end up fighting the t1 million um yes which is you know kind of a silly extrapolation because the they fight the t1000 in t2 but uh yeah i don't know uh it's it's still my favorite movie of all time and while some of the special effects are a little dated most of them mm-hmm. still hold up really well um mm-hmm. Which is, you know, surprising considering the movie's 30 years old and, you know, it came out at the beginning of CGI in movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Judgment Day has come and passed, so we, we never uh, never had to go to the war with the machines. Although 2027 is coming up here in just a few years. So, we'll see if the future war happens. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we are over time. And uh, sorry for those of you who had to come back and download this episode later, uh, but you should download our show anyways, because we do this yeah. pretty frequently. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, have a great day. Uh, find us on the social medias. Uh, visit our friends at DefM Records. Yes. And uh, have a happy Stephanie. Mother's Day. Yeah. Tell us what your favorite 90s movie is on social media. And uh, I just love happy endings. Love, not like, love. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. like Love you, babies. <laughs> <laughs>